Best Self Management is a living inquiry into how do we bring out the greatness in our people? How do we help every person understand their genius and then give it to the world? Welcome to the Best Self Management Podcast. I'm David Hassel. And I'm Shane Metcalf. Me and David have been working together along with our co-founder, Nazar, and all the amazing other people that are a part of 15.5 for the last seven years. And we are not the same people that we were seven years ago. One of the things we're a big stand for is like, how do we actually embrace the whole person and understand that can we support someone in thriving in their whole life? And if we do, then they're probably going to contribute more at work. Your mission is to attract the best talent, retain your high performers, and maximize everyone's potential. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for joining the Best Self Management Podcast. I'm Shane Metcalf with David Hassel. And today we're going to be giving a quick overview of the philosophy that we've been really espousing in the world that we call Best Self Management, also the name of the podcast. And we're going to give a little deeper cut on what do we really mean by this? What are the principles and the pillars underpinning it that are really actually pointing the way to a better way of working, leading, and developing our people so that we can really thrive as companies, as individuals, and ultimately as a society. We've gotten the first couple of episodes out, and and it's really cool because we're getting great response from the Best Self-Management podcast. And we wanted to actually take some time today to go deeper into what do we really mean by best self-management? It's a phrase that we're putting out there a lot. And You know, I think that there's some initial impressions from it and people kind of get a pretty good idea of what it really means. But David, I'd love us to go deeper into explaining what are the components of best self-management? What do we really mean by this? What are the implications and the potential outcomes for businesses? Yeah, great. You know, it was interesting. I was actually just having a conversation with our director of people science, uh, Courtney Bigany. And she was was kind of grappling with where do we start with this best self-management thing? And one thing she said that I thought was interesting is she said, best self-management is a mindset. And first and foremost, it is a mindset. It's a a shift in thinking from one where we believe that to be successful in business, we have to get as much as we can from our people, right? To shifting to a belief and a mindset that says, we're going to be really successful if we support our people in thriving, if they be and become their best selves. And then if that's the case, if you believe that, then there's a whole slew of things that then become possible. And I think it's helpful to actually back up a little bit and think of the entire history of work and the entire history of of management and how do we get people to do the things that we want them to do so that we actually can create results in the world. We can start companies, we can lead armies, we can you know build empires. Management and the world of work hasn't just emerged out of a vacuum. It has this rich often very bloody, ugly legacy behind it of hierarchy and control. And so that's kind of a a lot of the context that so many of our modern organizations are built off of. And so I think that to understand best self-management and the emerging paradigm of how we think that this is a superior way of leading, inspiring, and getting people to collaborate and be coordinated towards a common purpose it's really useful to understand where have we come from. So let's go into a little bit of, you know, best self-management is an emerging paradigm of management that we are naming, that we really think is a synthesis of a lot of other things that we are seeing happen in the world. And we're really naming it that, you know, in, in many ways, 
Best self-management isn't something that is completely unique to 15.5 or that we're entirely inventing. We're synthesizing, bringing together all these different streams into a cohesive model of how do you lead, manage, inspire your people to become their best selves, but we're drawing from a lot of different inspirations. And really what we're saying is that work doesn't have to suck. Work doesn't need to be a place where you go and you are inherently in opposition to your employer, that you're inherently in a win-lose dynamic, that one of you is going to win and one of you is going to lose, so don't be the sucker. Don't be the one that pulls the short end of the stick. And so... Let's, uh, yeah, let's explore this a little bit. I think it's worth noting that the win-lose mentality in business made sense for business in the past, right? If you think about the Industrial Revolution where, you know, I like to say that what, what organizations needed at that time was hardworking, cheap labor who could follow a script, right? And so the incentives were definitely not aligned between what the employees wanted for themselves and what the employers needed and wanted. But the world has changed, but we're still practicing business in, in, by and large with these old practices that don't make sense. Now we're in an environment where what matters is innovation and creativity and people to be passionately engaged in service of the company. It's not the output of an employee doesn't come from how fast they can type on a keyboard or how many hours their butt is in the seats. It's what they create. It's the knowledge work. It's the creativity, the innovation. And what we found is that you know, when people are connected to purpose, they're connected to each other, they care about their work, they feel supported, they're going to do their best work. And that is a true win-win for companies and employees. And, and that, that is the new model. And so I think it's worth noting or talking about, you know, how do we define best self-management? What do we mean by that at a high level? And then we can kind of go into some of the specifics. Yeah, and so best self-management is, you know, we, we describe it as building an organizational culture that brings out the best in who your people are today while simultaneously helping them become their best selves over time. And so it's a bit of a paradox because it's saying, look, you already are your best. You're already capable of operating at a level of social excellence, of contribution, of harmony and relational mastery, that we already have so much of that potential and that, you know, because of Culture and our environment influences us so deeply that really, you know, you can put any person into two different cultures and they're going to be two different people. And I think this is best highlighted by, you know, we all have this experience of having, you know, waking up on the wrong side of the bed. We've had a bad day, right? And I think that that really illustrates the being state. It's like I can show up really well one day and another day, everything just feels off. And so what we're trying to do is tip the scales to create an environment where people have great days more of the time. The culture has a lot to say with how that's going to happen. And some a little bit also backstory around best self-management is that in many ways, this is a eight-year experiment that we've been running as we've built 15.5. You know, from the beginning, we said, hey, let's do business a little differently. Let's use some of the social technologies that we've both picked up in our lives and in, in our own kind of journeys of personal development. And that's Let's see what happens when we apply those models to building a company from the ground up. And what happened was that it worked really well. You know, we have crazy low attrition. Almost everybody that we want to stay at 15 and 5 stays. You know, in, in eight years, we've had five people voluntarily leave. We have a 100% approval rating on Glassdoor. Hopefully that stays true by the time <laughs> you're actually listening to this. Right. Or else, you know, it'll be a little, uh, we'll have to come back and edit this. 
And not that we'll keep that forever, but it is a uncommon level of engagement and fulfillment and people really actually saying, wow, this is one of the best professional experiences of my life. And again, that's not an easy thing, but we have been putting in the work to make that happen. And what's cool is that by the nature of the product that we build and the nature of our purpose as a company, it really dovetails nicely to be taking the inspirations that we've gained internally from this process and building it into our product such that we can help create organizational harmony in other companies. And really, that is kind of where best self-management emerges, is saying, whoa, what we're doing is working and we're able to now kind of uh, direct some of that attention and say, we really think that some of the elements of our culture can become the status quo in the world of work and that everybody will be better off. Businesses are going to make more money. Individuals are going to thrive. People are going to be more self-aware and know their strengths, know their zones of genius, be able to work and make money in alignment with their highest values. And that's kind of the inspiration around best self-management is that we know we can do better as a business community. And I think that it's time for us to all really step up and start asking these deeper questions of how do we actually lead from our heart? How do we engage the intelligence of our emotions and of our values in alignment and in service to creating extraordinary companies? It's awesome. By the way, if you believe in what we're doing here and you want to help us spread this movement, we'd really appreciate it if you'd leave us a review on iTunes or on Google Play. It's going to help us uh, get more visibility for the podcast and grow the movement. Why don't we unpack a little bit this the experience of the being piece, being your best self versus the becoming. You know, what does it look like in an organization where people are showing up being their best selves on a day-to-day basis? And, and, and how is that in contrast to to what we might say is the norm. Great. So, David, you know, if you're not your best self, then what are you? I think we often talk about it as the the default self. We can get into situations where we're, you know, self-absorbed. We're we're caring about our own preservation. We're caring about, uh, you know, am I going to get this promotion? Am I going to keep this job? Those types of things. And we're not really passionately connected to our own creativity and contribution in the organization. Yeah, and I, I would add, I think that if we're not our best selves, and again, this, this isn't a, a value judgment. This isn't saying you're a worse person if you're not being and becoming your best self. It's just a different mode of operating and you get different results when you're operating out of these different kind of frequency bands of being. And so if you're in more of like a, a kind of how I, sometimes I think of it as the shadow states of consciousness that are typically rooted in fear, and so it's going to be, you know, you're going to be blaming, judging other people. You're going to be uh, scared of other people, avoiding them, not having the meaningful, deep, uh, you know, hard conversations that can create breakthroughs. You're going to be disengaged. You're going to be looking for somebody else to be the person that helps you out of your mess. You know, there's going to be a, a lack of self-care, lack of accountability of your own experience and being able to have the a positive impact on other people. You'll be a energy suck and energy drain in rooms that you're in versus an energy contribution. And so those are all things that, to give a little bit of contrast to what we mean by best self 
And so, you know, as default self or worst self or normal self. And so if those are kind of some of the status quo where a lot of companies are operating out of, then let's paint a picture of what would it be to be operating from your best self? Yeah. A lot of organizations have uh, an experience of, of drama and politics as being a normal thing they have to deal with, right? And we're saying that is actually not something you have to deal with. And in an environment of best self, those things dissolve, right? And those things disappear. So when people are showing up as their best self, they really care about their work. They care about the contribution they're making. They're connected to other people. They're they're working in service of the interests of the whole over the interests of themselves or their little subgroup in the organization. And, you know, for you listening, it's just a, it's a good moment to kind of take a, a pause and think about, okay, cool, how are you operating? How is your organization operating? Is there kind of a culture of fear, control, blame, judgment, uh, self-interest, silos, turfs, you gossip. Know, gossip, and what's the cost? What's the emotional cost to you through operating in that mode? And how much better, how much more productive, how much happier and fulfilled would you be if you were able to be going to work and actually having more positive emotional interactions than negative emotional interactions on a day-to-day -day basis. And what's so cool is that the business implications for this are really profound because if you're spending, I don't know, that's just, let's just say 20% of your time in emotional conflict with your peers and your colleagues, your boss, your direct reports, and say 20% of your time is spent in that kind of a conflict and turbulence. Well, that is 20% of your energy and attention that isn't going to solving business problems, that is getting consumed and burned up in relational friction. And so the speed of execution inside of a company is directly related to the amount of relational friction that you're experiencing. Exactly. Things like this happen once in a while for us, and, and, and because it's not a norm, anytime our leadership team is, you know, one of the topics in our weekly uh, leadership meetings has to do about some challenge with an individual in the company, it's such a stark contrast to what we normally experience. And I personally feel very frustrated by it because, I, you know, we're not moving the ball. We're not moving the business forward. And, and, and I'm grateful that it's, it's so, so minimal in our organization. But when I talk to other CEOs, that, that's a constant thing they're dealing with, right? They're constantly dealing with people challenges throughout the organization. And uh, when you invest in this mindset and the underlying practices, those things disappear in large regard. You know, the other alternative, if you don't want to spend your time with people, you know, putting out people fires is you can just simply ignore them, right? That right. works too, right? Uh -huh. just, just pretend that the people fires don't exist, that you, uh, you know, actually, no, that's, that's absolutely not what you should do. Because if you ignore your people, if you pretend that emotions don't exist inside of your workplace, you are deluded. You are not actually in touch with reality. And that's one of the really cool things that's happening in the world of work right now and why I feel so grateful to be who I am at this time and this day and age is that business is starting to understand that we're fully-fledged human beings, that we are the fully dynamic, creative, complex, dynamic... I think I just said dynamic twice. <laughs> we're really dynamic. We're incredibly dynamic people. 
and that you actually will get more from your people if you embrace that complexity and that dynamism instead of just thinking that your people are single-minded economic robots. Right. Yeah, and I think, you know, ultimately we are advocating for this mindset that if you make people your highest priority in the organization and your employees and your and and the ecosystem that is your company, right? Then every all business outcomes are going to improve. You know, there was the, I, I think ten years ago there was often this debate between you know should you have a people first, uh, employee first uh, mentality or a customer first mentality. Ultimately, when you see the companies that had this customer first mentality, right, they shortchanged their employees. Those employees, the experience the customers have ends up being shortchanged as well. When you invest in your people first and when the employees know you have their back and they feel like they are supported in their own learning, growth, and development, right, they feel grateful. They communicate with customers and they take care of customers in a way that, like, you don't have to worry about it as a business owner, as a leadership team. You know that your employees have your customers back and are going to work really hard to create a great experience. So one of the other things that I think is really cool is that what we're talking about is that instead of focusing only on how do you how do you create organizational harmony how do you create highly cohesive teams that yeah that is the inquiry but what we're really saying is that you you need to start thinking about how do you prioritize the internal equilibrium of the individual inside of your company and so one of you know as chief culture officer of 155 I'm constantly thinking about how do I help people create equilibrium in their lives? How do we get the right balance of, you know, our professional and our personal lives? How do we get the right balance of working really hard and also really taking great and exceptional care of ourselves? How do we create the right balance of doing what needs to be done and doing the things that we're incredibly passionate about? And so it really goes down to celebrating and elevating the individuals inside of your company. And yes, culture is so important, but healthy culture is made up of healthy individuals. And then as the center of gravity in the company gets to a healthier place, it actually begins lifting up those individuals into that center of gravity. And so it really becomes this virtuous cycle. And it's not that there aren't breakdowns and things that get out of balance, but it's about really understanding, look, the individual matters. And if somebody is having a struggle and a breakdown in our company, we need to be there to really support them and say, how can we contribute? How can we make a radical contribution to your life and help you actually live your best life? Because, you know, business interests have not been aligned with personal interests for so long. It didn't really matter what your people wanted. And we're saying now that is what really matters. That is how you're going to achieve success is caring about the actual hearts and minds and souls of your people and saying, what do you really want out of life? What is going to have you look back on your life when you're on your deathbed and think, I lived a life not of compromise, but of truly forging my own path and really being satisfied with the decisions that I made. Absolutely. You know, I was just scanning through some of the uh, some of the high fives that uh, some of the new team members have given to everybody. So at the end of uh, end of every week, we do fifteen five inside our company, obviously. And there's a section where team members can give high fives to one another. 
And it's it's amazing to see the the reaction some of these new folks are having as they enter the company. One person here said, uh, you know, it hasn't even been a week yet, but it's obvious we've got something special here. I'm thankful to be part of the 15.5 movement. So that was interesting. He's, you know, I mean, feeling the the sense of what we're doing as a movement. Uh, I literally wake up every day excited to come to work and look forward to ramping up and helping us grow. Um, you know, and, and and there are loads and loads of these things uh, that we're seeing from both new and existing employees about the profoundly different experience they're having inside this company as a result of this radical care we have for our team and creating an environment where people can thrive. I'd love to hear because, you know, I think that it's easy to get the impression that we just, you know, never have uh, breakdowns internally. And that's not true. There are absolutely breakdowns. There's conflicts that happen. There's people that we need to let go of. There's people that are underperforming. And so can you talk about how are we thinking about approaching those situations from this framework of best self-management? Well, I think first and foremost, we do come back to our commitment to people first, right? And when there is a breakdown, the first step here is to say, well, what you know, what's possible here? Can we resolve this issue? I, I, I don't think we move to a decision to let someone go lightly. There have been times where it has been the right decision, and we don't necessarily delay that decision longer than necessary. But at the same time, we want to get inquisitive as to what is the breakdown here. Can can we resolve the issue? Can we support this person in finding a shift or getting realigned with a role that that works for them? You know, I, I think in a lot of companies, I, I shared this in one of the other podcast episodes, we had a salesperson who, you know, was very far from hitting their numbers. And many companies, you know, they might have let that person go at the end of that quarter. And the next quarter, he, you know, he beat everybody and, and set a record. Well, I mean, even last quarter, we had four SDRs who are, we put on PIPs. That's right. And performance improvement plans. And, you know, often PIPs are seen as this thing of hey, we're going to put you on a PIP to justify being able to let you go right. next quarter, but we both kind of know that this script has already been written, and so this is a formality to cover our ass. Right. And so you might want to even start thinking about finding another job. And what's so cool is three out of those four actually became record-breaking SCRs right. the next quarter and all got promotions. Yes. And the other person is still here as well. And I think that we're still surprised when that happens. It's still like, holy crap, that's so cool. Like, you know, because this is a, a living inquiry. I want, really want to emphasize that best self-management is a living inquiry into how do we bring out the greatness in our people? How do we help every person understand their genius and then give it to the world? And... It isn't easy work. It definitely requires self-reflection. It requires self-determination. It's not entirely on the organization. The individual has to want to grow. They have to want to be their best selves. Sometimes we don't really know what that means. And I think that's part of where people get really stuck and and why people don't realize their full potential is because people don't understand their full potential. Right. People don't know what they are capable of. And that that is one of the coolest things that we get to do and provide as an organization is we get to say, look, you are capable of more than you know you're capable of. And we are going to help start to draw that picture, paint that image, and cultivate that imagination of what you're capable of. And then we're going to help you live into it. You have to own your own development. You have to own your own career. You have to actually say, yes, I want this. I, I know I have greatness inside of me. And I know that 
with the proper support and the environment, I can realize that greatness. Yeah, that's awesome. I think this would be a great segue to talk about the becoming side of it. And then why don't we talk a, a little bit about some of the, the guiding principles. Yeah, let's go, let's, go, let's go through the five pillars of yes. best self-management. That's great. So just a brief note on the becoming side. So we talk about best self-management as this combination of the culture that supports people in being their best selves, being already the great people they are today, showing up, right, connected to purpose, connected to each other, uh, willing to take risks and whatnot. And then the becoming part is where, you know, we're all a work in progress. We're learning, we're growing, we're developing ourselves, we're learning about our blind spots, we're learning about our strengths, and we're developing those strengths into hopefully that what we talk about, that zone of genius. One of my favorite quotes is that compared to our potential, what we are capable of, we're all just nasty little monkeys. And I, I love that because it kind of, you know, it's it's kind of insulting, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yes. but like when you think of humanity as a whole and what we could create on this planet, what we're capable of achieving as a species, yeah, we're just getting started. We are not realized, we have not yet really tested the limits of what we're capable of creating. Right. Yeah. That's amazing. If you have a question or a topic that you'd love to hear us talk about on this show, please do email us at podcast at 15.5.com. And if it's a good suggestion, we may consider it. So the uh, the pillars that you mentioned, we've been very heavily, as, as you've mentioned, Shane, we've been very, very heavily influenced by a number of other thought leaders and academic research and, and different ideas and that best self-management is really both a synthesis of many of these things, but also... You know, just what we're we're seeing this trend in the world, and we're giving it a name, right? And so, the five pillars that we look at, right? What a coincidence that we have five pillars. There we it was go. Very on brand. Well <laughs> right, done. Exactly. Well done. The five pillars that we look at when we're designing this culture and we're thinking about supporting people in their growth and development. First and foremost is psychological safety, right? And we talk about this if you look at Maslow. If you look at uh, you know some of the other research on this, when when people don't feel safe, right, that's when we go into that protection mode. So if you don't have safety in your organization, psychological safety on your leadership team and your company uh, as a whole, uh, there's n- absolutely no way people are going to show up as their best selves, right? They're going to be showing up in self-preservation, and that leads to gossip and drama and politics and all the all the things that that tend to be a big drag on businesses. The second is around motivation, specifically intrinsic motivation, but it's also related to, you know, our goals. It's related to uh, a sense of flow. It's it's related to whether people have a sense of purpose. Are they do they know their why? Do they know the company's why? Are they inspired by it? And the short version of this is that why we work influences how we work. You know, why we do anything is going to determine how well we do that thing. Exactly. The third is around our strengths. Right. So understanding, discovering what those are. You know, it's ironic that most people don't know their strengths because they tend to be things that come so easy to us that we don't think they're special at all. So there's got to be a process of of getting reflection through, you know, tests like Strengths Finder or the VIA Strengths Survey, or even asking a bunch of people in your life, what do you see as my unique ability, my unique strengths? And we're a weakness obsessed culture. You know, in a lot of the strengths conversations, they give this example of when we're children and we come home with our report card and we're like, mom, dad, look, I got three A's and there's a C, they, our parents immediately go to the C and that's right. where all the attention goes. And that's kind of a fractal metaphor for 
how we think about our own strengths in life is that we're not really celebrating our own strengths. We're always looking at what we're doing wrong. We're always looking at the things that we screw up or the weaknesses that we have. And that's what gets the bulk of our attention. And so it's really about building organizations that start to say, hey, it's fine to have weaknesses and good to overcome our weaknesses, but let's actually cultivate your strength. And that is what is so exciting because that's where our zone of genius lies. Exactly. And that zone of genius being that intersection of our, you know, the strengths and that motivation component, that passion component. And when we can find that, it's just, it's just like magic, right? So the fourth pillar is around positivity. And, you know, we tend to have this uh, negativity bias, rightfully so. Our brains are designed, you know, we often say our brains are designed to survive and not to thrive. So we're looking for threats. It makes sense. But we live in a very safe environment relative to the environment we evolved in. And uh, one of my favorite things that a a spouse of one of our employees shared uh was like the employee was sharing around what our culture is like and how positive our culture is. And they were saying, there's no way that you guys can be very productive and that positive of a culture. And, And I love that because it's so hilarious to me that there's this myth that a negative, cynical culture is going to be more productive and more effective more ruthless in business. Right. And it's it's one of the great myths that I think uh, I'm determined to help dissolve because it just isn't true. I love it. And then also gratitude falls into that positivity, right? I think that, you know, we talk about, from positive psychology, we've learned that we can actually rewire our brains to have more of a positivity bias than a negativity bias. And when our brains are positive, we're more productive, we're more connected to each other, we're, we're, we feel, and it's also related to that sense of psychological safety. Same thing with gratitude. We tend to be looking for what's wrong, but if we can cultivate a sense of gratitude, right, it increases that sense of positivity. And positivity becomes that fuel for creating an environment where people feel safe and excited to come to work. And so it's about engineering cultures that create positive brain states in your people so that it's almost a a default thing that happens is that people are switching into positive brain states and there's so much more we can say about this. I mean, the physiological changes in the body when you're moving into heightened positive emotions, the coherence of your heartbeat, the increased uh, effectiveness of your immune system, you know, I mean, there's so much cool research being done on the physiological impact of heightened positive emotional states. Yes, for sure. This is really well illustrated. You reminded me of this other high five that one of our employees sent to all, which was, you know, over 150 people. And she said, uh, I was chatting away mindlessly about things at 15.5. My partner stopped me and said, I wonder if I will ever know what it feels like to go to work with the amount of passion and excitement you do. Uh, I realized I have not actually been to work since I started at 15.5. Keeping it real, though, it doesn't mean they don't get stressed or feel anxious, but these things have decreased tenfold since starting here. Thank you, 15.5. I'm a very blessed person indeed. Right, so that's the possibility, right? When you when you do this on a, at a cultural level and you engineer this to be the norm. And then the last is around growth. This is where we talk about mindset, growth mindset, uh, habit change, feedback, right? The the Self-development objectives. Self-development objectives, exactly. Right, that it's like, you know, we are designed to continually grow. We're wired for ongoing growth and development. And so building organizations that foster that, that say, look, growth is not something that's going to happen at an offsite or with a coach. Like, yes to those, 
but growth and development is going to be something that happens every day. We're going to weave it into our workflows so that every single day we come to work, we know that our job is to work on ourselves and to grow and develop and that that is, uh, we do that through our actual jobs. Exactly. Through our relating with others, through this ongoing process of knowing that the organization has my back to become my best self, knowing that that is also my commitment. And then we put projects and objectives in the way for people to work with that create that result. Exactly. Now, there's a whole load of practices, things that we do. And I think we're going to have to save that for another episode. We'll go into each one of these pillars in more depth about how do you actually engineer these things to be happening. But again, I'm just going just gonna to reiterate that those five pillars, we think about psychological safety, uh, motivation, strengths, positivity, and growth. And each one of those is, you know, hours-long topic about, you know, the, both the science behind it, some of the philosophical underpinnings, and then how do you actually bring those to life. But when you bring that together, you, you do create this environment where people have a very, very, very different experience than the norm. And, uh, and, and it's really a great potential for, for the business. So that's a quick recap of Best Self Management. Tune in for some of our next episodes where we're going to be going into more depth on the five pillars of Best Self Management. A big thank you to our producer, Counter-Ray Creative, and our executive producer, David Misney, and Stacey Hurst, our guest coordinator. Please visit 155.com slash podcast. That's the number 15 and the word five. For more information on today's discussion, for additional resources and special offers. One of the easiest and highest leverage things you can do to support us in this podcast is write a review on Apple iTunes or Google Play. It really does go a long way in terms of getting the word out and more people can hear this message so that we can start a movement and truly get more and more businesses out there helping their people become their best selves. To get all the latest episodes, please subscribe to Best Self Management on iTunes or Google Play. And if you have a question or comment you'd like us to address in a future show, please email us at podcast at 15.5.com. And finally, thank you for listening to this podcast. Until next time, know that we support you in being and becoming your best self. Best Self Management.